So um, today we're talking about rule of life again, um, just to, as a way of refresher. Um, and we've been talking about this over the past uh, few months. We're kind of interjecting them into our, our series. So expect this kind of this cadence for the next, I don't know, six months or however long it takes us to get through all of them. But um, the idea of a spiritual discipline, to go to the next slide, it's just a rhythm um, of spiritual disciplines, which I choose to practice. So again, this, these are not, um, the rule of life is not like a, a rule like in terms of, we tend to think of rules as a bad thing or rules as constraining, where really this is just um, basically practices that kind of are personalized for us that guide us into a way of following Jesus in our everyday life. And so um, they're, again, not rules as a means of grace, but, but rules as an outflow of grace, what God's done in our life and how we can actually deepen our relationship with him. And so we've been talking over the past few months. Um, the ones that we've covered um, are... The scriptures, so daily morning reading, we've talked about that. We've talked about Sabbath, so weekly 24-hour rest. Um, we've talked also about prayer, regular communion with God. And today we're going to be talking about confession of sin and of faith. So the two sides of confession, and that's kind of why Rick and I are co-teaching today, because um, we, we both kind of came at this idea of confession from two different angles, and we wanted to kind of come together and share. So I'm going to let Rick jump in, and we'll... Let's see how this goes. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how it worked out that I get the the sin face and you get the faith face. Now that I think about it, I, we should have rock paper scissors on something. Anyway, yeah, this was a new idea that Jonathan actually had, and I heard someone else write on it lately. As we all know, that when we hear the word confession, or you think of the spiritual discipline of confession, it's confession of sin. Probably that is what you think of, which would be right biblically. That would be, absolutely be right. But the term confession is also used of faith, and so we confess our faith. And as we were dialoguing about it, we realized how well they go together. Because on the one hand, when we confess sin, hopefully we're offloading something that's in our souls, in our hearts, that's preoccupying us. And how, what better thing to do than to replace what was in us with something positive, with faith. And so to confess faith. And so if you think about it, this really is a great discipline to say... Uh, Father, I come to you and I want to release uh, these things that, that were a shortcoming for me where I didn't love you the way that I wanted to love you or I didn't love someone else the way I wanted to. I confess my sin. I repent of my sin. Thank you for forgiveness. And now I want to confess my faith. I confess my faith that Christ is in me and that the Holy Spirit is in me so I have the power and I have the understanding to instead love well. And to not continue to fall short of who Jesus Christ is. So I think there's a good marriage there. And so we're going to represent that marriage. And um, I'm going to talk just a little bit to you about what we would typically think of. And that is confession of sin. Jonathan is going to give some color commentary as we go. Yeah, I'm going to just try, try to avoid wisecracks. That's good. Yeah. I, I haven't. I don't know okay. why you should. But. Okay. So I want to read for you Psalm uh, 32, just the first half, Psalm 32, verses 1 through 6. And here we see the reality of sin in David, a man who was after God's own heart. And this is what David said, a very familiar passage. Blessed is the person who, whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whom the Spirit finds no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. 
Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave me, and the guilt of my sin was removed. We weren't created for sin. We weren't created to practice breaking God's law of love. And so when we do, it doesn't sit well with us. It's a lot like food poisoning. Who's had, uh, yeah, pretty much, okay, yeah. So you eat something and you're assuming that it's good because you ordered it or you made it and then you've consumed it. And then a couple of hours later, there's this, uh (laughs) uh-oh. And there's this sense in your body is telling you there's something here that we need to get rid of. And so you feel, I think I felt pretty awful and pretty quickly awful. And I could tell that I had one priority and whatever else was going on, I needed to stop. And the priority was, let's get that out. And I won't describe it anymore because you know how that goes. Yes. Same way with sin. If our hearts and souls are sensitive, when we have fallen short of the goodness of God and our hearts are attuned and they're not hardened or our conscience isn't seared but sensitive, it's that same way, isn't it? You just, it's, that thing starts to gnaw on you and your soul kind of goes, uh-oh, I need to get rid of this. This isn't good. <clears throat> I can't really sit still with this in me and I need to get rid of this. This is what David was just talking about. Uh, When he said, I groan and my bones hurt, my strength is sapped as in the summer heat. And we don't know what summer heat is like David knew. Remember, David was in Israel, not in Oregon. (laughs) For a New Testament reference, John speaks of the same dynamic. John says in uh, his letter to um, 1 John 1, 8 and 9, he says, If we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, so I won't go over it too much again. But this is the beauty and the power of what Jesus has done. Sin could be seen as, or confession could be seen as simply therapeutic. In his book, Celebration of Disciplines, Richard Foster says this very thing. That confession of sin without the reality of God and without the acknowledgement of the spiritual realm is just a therapeutic offloading of what's going on. But in Christ, it's so much more than that. There's this invisible spiritual dynamic where there's a removal of that sin. And there's a change in the heart that wanted to do something that was unloving that makes that heart want to do something loving. So there's this beautiful internal dynamic in the confession of sin where not only is it just taken off of our record and we've kind of therapeutically offloaded it, but Jesus in the spiritual realm takes it away. It's as if when we confess, we take what's inside of our hearts, what's ugly and what's uncomfortable and what doesn't belong there, and we set it in front of Jesus and we say, I confess to what I've done. And then Jesus takes it and he gets rid of it and he takes it away and it's gone. And if we, if we don't understand or have faith to understand that, we might continue to feel like it's still sitting here. But this is where faith comes in, where we have to understand. The scriptures say, as far as the east is from the west. That's how far away Jesus takes sin. And the beautiful thing about east and west, if you think about it on the globe, they never meet. If you fly west, you'll never get to east. You'll just keep flying west. If you fly north, you'll eventually fly south. If you fly west, you will never get to east. And God knew that when he said it. 
He knew the science would prove this true, that you can't go back after your sin. You can't claim it again. You can't say that still belongs to me. Jesus takes it away and makes us right again. Sometimes it's difficult to receive and believe this on our own. And so uh, Marjorie Thompson has written in a book that she wrote about the need sometimes to share or confess sin to another person. If we're having trouble receiving and believing, the next step may be to confess sin to a person. When we audibilize that and when another soul that we can hear from and see and talk to and that we care about, we speak it, it, there's a whole new level. I experienced this just a couple of weeks ago. I was coming home from uh, Cannon Beach and I was there with my doctoral cohort and I was driving a friend of mine to the airport. He's become a close friend. Uh, And there was something that was growing inside of me. And I had not done anything yet. I had not committed a sin. But there was the seed of something that could go wrong going on inside me. And I've been fighting it for a little while and just trying to work it out on my own. And it wasn't happening. And I knew I needed to confess it. And as I was driving with Doug, I thought, I think the Spirit told me, this is the time. Talk to Doug. Explain to Doug what's going on. And I did. And I shared it with him. And he was so gracious. And he was so affirming. And when it was done and I dropped him off and drove away from the airport, I just felt this, like, that's done. That's over. I'm not going to be chased by that temptation anymore. I've confessed it, and Jesus has taken it away. The scriptures do say in James, James writes, Therefore, confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Jesus also said in John, when you forgive sins, they are forgiven. When you do not forgive sins, they are not forgiven. And in that statement, Jesus gives us the power to represent him and to speak the truth. So the idea here is, if I were to confess a sin to you as a fellow believer, you would have the authority to represent Jesus and say back to me, Rick, you are forgiven. And it's obviously not you doing it, but you're giving the voice to my ears of what Jesus has already said. Rick, you are forgiven. You don't need to continue to struggle with that. You are free. And if that person is really ready to minister well, they'll probably speak some scripture to me that replaces that sin with some hope and with some truth that takes it away. So that's the power of confession of sin. And now Jonathan's going to talk about confession of faith. Yeah, I was. Um, that's, that perfectly kind of tees up what I was actually thinking, Rick, when you were sharing that was like, that so displays um, the nature of God when you when you're afraid right you're you have this thing growing inside of you and you're and there's fear and there's like well how am I going to be received and when you when you confess that to, to someone and it's met with grace it's like that that is the way God uh, looks at us but I think a lot of times when we are struggling in sin we have these great fears of like if people knew what was really inside me that I would be loved right I wouldn't I wouldn't be accepted here. I wouldn't be allowed in, in, in the uh, church doors on Sunday if the people really knew how wicked I was. But that, that demonstration to me was like a perfect picture of the way God loves each one of us. And to have that tangibly represented in a way is, is powerful. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's beautiful. So good. Yeah. So um, to talk about the positive side, I think um, the, I'm going to go two places. One is just um, to build on what Rick just shared, to kind of build a bridge toward what does it look like to speak the truth and love to ourselves? Um, that was probably the uh, a verse that came to mind was in Ephesians. Um, let's see. Um, I'm 
introducing the verse right here. Um, let me look it up. Check um, your notes. <laughs> <laughs> There's this idea that um, thank you. Four fifteen. Yeah, I was. I was looking right in that passage. I just missed it. Okay, so instead, in verse uh, Ephesians four fifteen, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. And that that context of that is obviously in, in Christian community, we're to speak the love, the truth and love to each other. But I thought about what is this idea of confessing truth over ourselves is a is an aspect of the spiritual warfare that happens when we sin, right? When Satan has something over us, or when we are we're battling against truth. A lot of times the, the sin that we commit, like Rick demonstrated, is not, it's not just isolated, right? It's not just an isolated thing. It grows. It starts with something. Maybe it's a thought. Maybe it's a, a, a look. Maybe it's something inside of us that begins to germinate and grow. But um, the way to, to deal with that is, is confession. But it, like Rick said, it needs to be replaced with something else. Um, and oftentimes that root of that thing is maybe something that we struggle with continually. For myself, as I was thinking about this, the lie that I tend to get tripped up with the most, like lately especially, is this belief that Satan plants the seed of this lie in me that, um, that I, um, I'm a failure. <laughs> and I honestly, like, I, I struggle. I was even telling my wife a couple days ago, like, I just... It's powerful, right? This lie that I hear, I believe it. And I, and I have evidence of it. You know, I can actually go, when that thought comes, I go, well, yeah, totally. Because look at this list of things that I failed. And I'm failing at work here. I'm failing as a parent here. I'm not, man, I yelled at my kids. Or I, I was ungracious with my wife. Or um, all those things that are true. And so I have this list of things to back it up. And I'm going, well, I'm a failure, see? It's true. But... It's not the full story, and so that this idea of speaking the truth and love to ourselves is um, basically confessing truth that is personal to us that would counteract that lie, that root that, that causes sin, because that root, that lie of I'm a failure leads to more sin. It leads me into this path of um, continuing in shame, continuing in doubt, continuing to not live in the fullness of who God has me to be, and so for me... I think one of those one of those verses is Philippians one six, that God is going to complete the work that He started. It's His job to complete it. Yes, there is failure in my life, like all of us, right? But that doesn't that's not who I am. There is failure. There is there is things I can point to, and God would agree and say, "Yeah, you you have room to grow." But it's a very pessimistic, negative view. It's not the full picture, and it's not the identity, which is that God is going to complete the work. I'm His work. He's going to complete it, perfect it. And so for me, that's a scripture that I can go to and go, I need to confess not just my sin. I need to not, not just share this is the thing I'm wrestling with and struggling with, but actually, no, this is the, this is the, the thing that I need to um, appropriate for myself. It's a mm -hmm. truth. It's a thing that I need to confess over myself. And so it's that picture in me of, of Ephesians, even though it was written about each other, speaking the truth and love to ourselves. I don't think we often think about having compassion in that way on ourselves mm, yeah. in the midst of our sin. And, and we also need to speak the truth and love to each other. So mm -hmm. when I confess to my wife, she can go, you're not a failure. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and I, it's hard for me to hear that, but there's also a speaking the yeah, truth and love to each other as we, the confession has both of those dynamics. It's something that we need to 
to battle ourselves, but we also need to battle for each other because we don't have the whole picture ourselves and sometimes we're too close to it to, to really see it you know yeah. can um, i share another example yeah, of that yeah. just Please for do. myself yeah so uh, this has been kind of an all my life kind of a thing but i'm a person who uh if you know anything about the enneagram i'd be an enneagram too and so everything i do is service for the sake of a response or for affirmation or for friendship uh, whether you believe in enneagram or not doesn't matter that's that's how i work i uh I love to serve and I love to please others, but I'm really after the reciprocation or the gratitude or the acknowledgement of, hey, you're a nice guy. And so being uh, one who began to get into the scriptures early and to start teaching and sharing and learning, I realized that in being a Christian who teaches or shares, the glory of God is in what you're doing. And so the things you share can be really significant and they can move people to tears or to joy and as someone who just has such a deep desire for affirmation, I can throw those things out there and then watch responses and kind of take it on to myself as if somehow I was administering the grace of God and not God himself. And then when I was uh, kind of, you know, I was in my high school years, I was kind of doing this. I was helping lead a Bible study as a young man, and I was just excited about the wise things I was saying and how people were saying how wise I was, right, right? And the Holy Spirit just convicted me, like, Rick, that glory belongs to me. That doesn't belong to you. And John 5, became the truth that I needed to start confessing, which says, how can you believe when you look to receive glory from one another and you do not look to receive the glory that comes from God? And that was spoken to Pharisees, and I realized I'm standing in the place of a Pharisee when I do this, which is a super scary place to be. There was nobody Jesus got upset with more than the Pharisees. So that is my verse that I combat when I feel that sense of, oh, what I'm saying right now is good, and people are responding, and they're going to like what I'm doing. I'm like, wait a minute. No, this glory belongs to Jesus. And I remember that passage, and then the Spirit's given me this little mantra. It's from him for you, from him for you. For you, And I just remind myself that what I'm doing right now is from him for you. And that's my confession of truth. This is from him for you. And in that mantra, there's freedom. Like, it's not about me. And how anyone would respond to me right now is not the point. Yeah. It's from him for you. So. That's awesome. So the last thing I'm gonna, I'll share about confession is um, something that we don't often talk about in the evangelical tradition, but the idea of, of creeds and confession, a confessional faith in terms of creeds and confessions. So there's, if you look throughout church history, even going back to the Athanasius Creed or the, the Apostles' Creed, there's been these truths that Christians have all believed and affirmed over the years and memorized and known. And I kind of wanted to offer that as a means. I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures, and then I'll, I'll talk briefly about it. But um, 2 Corinthians 9.13 says, By the approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Um, 1 Timothy 6.12, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Um, the next verse I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in the, his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. Um, even Hebrews 3, uh, therefore, holy, uh, 3, 1, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. So, the, and there's several other verses in Hebrews that talk about this idea of confession as a means of Again, like more in a general sense, just affirming things together 
And what I love about the creeds, um, especially some of the old ones like the Apostles' Creed, they're very, it's, it's a communal thing. It's something that we all together say, we believe this about God. We believe that God is three persons and he's, he's one essence, he's one, there's one God, but there's God in three persons. And the Trinity itself, as I was thinking about it as, as an example, there's some great resources out there that you can you can access. One is we've actually used it for our, um, our uh, middle school, our middle school age kids, which is the the New City Catechism. I would highly recommend it. There's a, there's several different editions. There's a family guide. There's ones that you can you can walk through with your kids. The app they have an app, a free app that Crossway has. You download it in the App Store. You can walk through it, and it's basically just starts with God, and it works through kind of it's like a a modernization of the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is just core beliefs um, that we believe as Christians that you can rehearse with yourself. The app edition actually has a kids mode that has a little song, so you can kids can memorize this, these truths about God through song. What I like about it is that um, starting to think about things that we've all believed as Christians is a is a great way to deepen in truth. One of the things I would recommend if you want to if you want to start and you haven't looked at that in a while, just the doctrine of the Trinity. As I was meditating on it went for a, a walk this past week and was thinking, we, we almost, we think of the Trinity as this mysterious thing that, you know, theologians ponder over, but really the fact that God is, has great diversity, three different persons who have three different roles and perspectives, but one unity, that has more implications for our marriage, for our church family, for our communities than we, than we often realize. And was, as I was thinking about it again, I was like, wow, this is like, this one little thing, like if you want to start somewhere and, and going into the creeds or going, looking into, you know, um, studying deeper about some of the some of the truths that Christians have believed for, for millennia, to go there and start with the Trinity is a great great place. As I was thinking about it, I was like, man, this is, I could just we could do a whole series on the Trinity and its implications for our relationships. It's it's practical, you know, um, as much as confessing an individual truth, as spiritual warfare. As Rick and I have talked about those examples, I think also in the broad sense, just taking time to really deepen in our understanding of God has direct implications on the way that we 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 relate to one one another, not just as as individuals, but as in in a communal ways. And I think anyway, we're actually going to do that um, as Peter, as we start to, to transition. Um, Peter's going to come up and, and do some songs. The first song we're going to sing. Um, yeah, is, Let, let's take, we got the time, so let's okay. do what we had talked about. We want to give you about five yeah. minutes to actually Sorry. process this a little bit yourself. Uh, so if you could do what Jonathan and I just did a little bit ago, and maybe this is, this is already something you've done, so you don't have to think about it, but think for yourself, where's a place in my life where I tend to fall into the same hole regularly? <clears throat> Either a way that you think about yourself or something that you believe that for you is kind of a chronic problem. Or maybe it manifests itself in a particular behavior that you find hard to avoid that you actually don't want to do. Uh, so think about that. And obviously you have before confessed it as sin. But what is a truth or what is scripture that you could backfill your mind and heart with that would be a confession of faith, a confession of truth that would help you battle that? And we just want you to do this right now. And looking forward to a couple of you maybe sharing for the sake of our learning some more examples. And you can be super general in what you say so that you don't implicate yourself publicly too big, too bad. But, but is there a place where you tend to struggle and fall? And is there a truth or a scripture that could be that confession that helps you not 
go there. So let's think about that a little bit. Just ask Holy Spirit, would you give us an idea right now? Talk to us about uh, ourselves and where we fall short. You know we don't want to. Like Paul said in Romans 7, we know the good we ought to do, and sometimes we can't pull it off, uh, but we want to. So we ask you, Spirit, for truth to stand in the face of our weakness right now. In Jesus' name. Silence, and then we'll see if you might have something to share with us. Anybody have a thought, an idea? Yeah, thank you, Jonathan. So I'm a coach um, at Lake Oswego High School. I coach about 130 kids. Um, and sometimes my desire to uh, win gets in the way. And so uh, I don't listen to my athletes as well as I should. So they, uh, they tell me they want to do certain events, and I think that they're better at other events. And sometimes I feel like my desire to win gets in, their, in, in the way of their desire mm -hmm. to do what they want to do in, in their sport. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I feel like um, I think God's Spirit needs to lead me uh, to listen more my athletes mm -hmm. and their desires rather than my selfish ambition to win. Mm. So good. Yeah, Vince, thanks for that. Any, any scripture comes to mind um, in light of that? The one I think of right away is consider other interests as more important than your own. Just a phrase, consider others' interests as more important than my own. Consider my athletes' interests as more important than mine. That's, that's a command from, from your Savior, right? Any other examples? Matt? Yeah, I'm an Enneagram number one, and we are the perfectionists, the, um, the reformers, and our Achilles heel is, is judgment. So we judge ourselves very harshly, and we judge others, and it just gets in the way. So I was thinking of Jonathan, or sorry, Jonathan. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> John uh, three seventeen, and it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Mm -hmm. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, 
but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he or she has chosen not to believe, right? It's not that God wants to condemn people. Um, And it's good for me to remember that the fundamental nature of God is love and grace and space and kindness, and he um, is always after our growth Mm -hmm. and progress and not focusing, kind of nitpicking on little things we don't do well. So good. Yeah, the scripture also says it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And our, our default as a human is it's pressure and guilt and pushing hard that leads to repentance. And that's not what actually works. That's not how we're wired. It's kindness that leads us to repentance. Yeah. So good. Thank you, Matt. So the takeaway today, maybe for you to think about uh, this week, is um, how could I put confession, both of sin and faith, in the rhythm of my life? Is there a space, like a Saturday night maybe, uh, where you would just take some time, take a few minutes and review the week and say, you know, where was I really out of sync with God this week? Where was I really out of sync with the Holy Spirit? And then if something comes to mind, confess that. Father, I was out of sync with you in this place. Uh, I sinned against you or against a friend in this way. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness. Thank you that you take it away as far as the east is from the west. God, would you replace now, and then confess, confess the faith. Would you replace self-interest, where I want to win all the time, with the interest of my students and with the passions that they have? Would you replace that and then trust God? I would recommend that I, in the fullness of adulthood that this actually be a daily practice and that before you fall asleep every night, you do. There's a practice called the examine, and it's a very ancient practice, and it's simply doing what I just said but doing it every evening. Where was I in step with the Spirit of God? Well, today, celebrate. Thank you, Jesus, for that moment when I was at work and I stopped what I was doing and you told me to talk to the person next to me and you spoke through me. Thank you for that. And then where was I out of step with the Spirit? God, forgive me for that. Please replace the weakness in me or the desire in me for sin with a desire for goodness. And maybe practice that regularly. It's a great practice to do together, too, with roommates or friends or a spouse at the end of the day. Hey, honey, how'd the day go? Where were you out of step? Where were you in step? Let's make it right. And then fall asleep with peace and reconciliation. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, on your sin, but instead be reconciled to God. If you have uh, preschool kids, now's the time to go get them. And Jonathan, let's get back to where you were headed. (laughs) I I jumped the gun a little bit. I know Uh, you're excited. Me too. (laughs) So um, the first song Peter's going to share as we enter our time of worship and response is actually um, creedal in nature. I think it, it kind of mirrors some of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father. I believe in the... Uh, the I forget all the words. Exactly. I think it's I, called I believe in the, the Son. Creed. Yeah, it's, it's the Creed, yeah. So we're going to actually practice that today. I, I think there's something powerful. The thing that I was talking... I was... Prick and I were chatting before service that I love about creeds in that sense, and in this song, is that we are all confessing the, the same truth about God together at the same time. And I think there's something beautiful about that, to understand, like, there's a lot of differences in this room. We come from a lot of different theological and church traditions. We, we approach things and view the world radically differently sometimes. Even in, in, in our marriage, my wife and I view things, the world differently, but there's something really beautiful about coming together as one and confessing and and saying out loud the same truths about God together, that we affirm, that we affirm that God is holy, that he is powerful. And um, so as we do this, I want you just to, re- to receive these things, to really think about what you're singing, 
think about that and also realize and think about each other as you're singing and realize, oh, we're all, despite all our differences, we're all confessing these same things. We all love the same God. And um, let that bleed into community this week as we, as we go out and as we go live our week to, to go that we, we believe these things, we affirm these things, we're going we're gonna to follow this God together. Yeah, why don't you stand together and just as, as a way of reverencing our Father and Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And let's, as, if you don't know the song, you'll catch on pretty quick, but just really sing it out with faith and with courage today.